this the crepes cast or no? So roll out the barrel and get the band brewing. Life's got you down. Just keep her moving. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Cripes Cast. I'm your host, Charlie Behrens. This week, we're talking with uh, Nate Harris. Uh, Nate's a friend of mine, and he is from Racine, Wisconsin. Racine, Wisconsin, ladies and gentlemen. That's on the west coast of Lake Michigan. West coast is the best coast. Don't tell Michigan, uh, but Michigan already knows. Anyway, Nate has got an amazing story, which I'm going to let him tell you because he tells it better. Uh, but he here are the cliff notes. OK, he uh, started um, he, he grew up. He went through homelessness. He started working in the bar business. He learned how to build a business, how to get investments, how to pitch all that. And now uh, he is the head of his own company, Ease, which is doing very, very well. He's expanding out beyond that. So I'm going to let him give you the full story because he tells it so much better than I could. But how I got introduced to Nate was through a mutual friend of ours, uh, Graham Castle. And uh, those two started a project called How to Be Heard. And uh, essentially what that is, is a um, it's basically a parks cleanup in Milwaukee. Okay. And, and that's the base point. That's like what gets people together volunteering on one day. We had our first event back in June. And then after that, it gets those volunteers to then hopefully volunteer again to be part of the big brothers, big sisters program. Uh, and then from there, it tries to get people in the community to know, like, who are their local representatives? How do we uh, impact that change? What, what are the, you know, meetings that uh, are set up every month or every other month where you can go and have your voice be heard? And, and that's so it's a uh, it's a very ambitious uh, thing that uh, Nate's going after. And uh, uh, it's fun to be a part of uh, the building process of that uh, organization. Once again, if you're like, what did he just say? Uh, Nate says it all better in this podcast. Oh, I should also mention, quick disclaimer, we shot this on the rooftop of Uncle Buck's. Uh, so we were outside and uh, Uncle Buck's was closed at the time. So uh, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, here's my conversation with the Nathan Harris. All right. So we're here with Nate Harris on the uh, rooftop of his bar. Uncle Bucks, and you got the T-shirt too. I like it. You're rocking <laughs> the merch. Give, the, give, the, give the camera a show, the, folks. You can buy that at UncleBucks.com. Is that the website? Yep, the that's website? it. UncleBucks.com. UncleBucksOnThird.com. UncleBucksOnThird.com. For crying out loud, and, and you know, just get them. They're real slick shirts, baseball shirts, and the whole nine. Okay, good. We, we got it. We got it in there. <laughs> there All we right. go. Promo. He started in the bar business got into developing an idea where, hey, I don't really like a standard nine to five. I know most people don't. The, the numbers don't associate a nine to five with more productivity or whatever. Mm -hmm. so, so you started to ease, which mm -hmm. is a way to get American uh, based workers to uh, kind of fulfill uh, different IT needs yep. or, or, or the gig economy, basically. Is, yeah. that, is that a good summation? That is a really, really good summary. Okay, nice job. Good. He did his research. Pulled it right out of <laughs> the, the rear, folks. Okay. <laughs> So, but um, why don't we start now that they kind of know uh, the real quick backstory? Uh, you also have a very uh, not your average childhood, which nope. you've you've said before uh, helped make you into who you are. So why don't we start there? Where did yeah. you grow up? Uh, so I actually grew up in Racine, Wisconsin. Um, it was a very interesting community because it was it had a lot of division, but also a lot of unity. Because there's so many people from from like wealthier backgrounds, there are also people from you know more 
unblessed and fortunate backgrounds. And I was one of those kids being raised by a single mom. Uh, she really had just come from Chicago, first time really touching down here, trying to go to school and raise two kids by herself. Super difficult. I mean, it's hard for anybody, regardless of your background. Mm -hmm. But in her circumstances, you know, she really worked really as hard as she could. Uh, she ended up getting a degree, ended up becoming, putting us in a really nice apartment downtown. And then uh, one of the challenges I think that, you know, is the biggest thing in my story is when depression started to come into the family. Mm. And I think a lot of that has to do, which is relevant of today, um, is just systematic issues, right? That mm -hmm. don't allow people from uh, less fortunate backgrounds to be able to accelerate towards opportunity as fast. And it puts a lot of strain on your mind, strain on the family. Uh, there's times when, you know, we couldn't even keep the lights on. You gotta choose between the phone bill, or electric bill, or you know that it's winter time, they won't cut the gas off, but they'll cut the lights off. So you know that you can shower with candles and still get hot water. You know, that's the type of stuff <laughs> yeah. that like, not a lot of people know that that's the type of mindset you have to live in when you're in poverty, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, with that, seeing my mom grinding and doing where she was at, and then eventually, you know, she did attempt to commit suicide when I was around 12, and um, which really put uh, me and my brother not in a, a, a pitiful, pitiful situation, but more of a, a hungry situation where we knew that, you know, mom was going through tough times, but this is not time for us to break apart and fall apart. We got to elevate. We got to grow. We got to grind. We have to figure out a way to stay together, because if we did tell people, guess where we end up? social services separated so we had to think differently so you were 12 and how old was your brother at 14 this and four okay so 12 that's incredible yeah. and and before that you you were what is it true that you were homeless in and out of homelessness so that, that happens it? later on right okay. so basically as i got to a point where i was older you know going from 12 all the way over to 19 my mom was deeply in her depression so instead mm -hmm. of me being around that i ran away I decided like I was just roam the streets. I would couch surf back and forth. I just didn't want to be home. Mm. And um, you know, I was doing really great in school, but nobody at school knew any of this stuff. You know, my, my life was just in a roller coaster. So I just was living however I could, just so I wouldn't have to go home and face what was going on there. What, what are the things that people don't think about when they're in that situation? Well, a lot of things that people don't realize is like, you know, people aren't lazy or anything. It's just a little bit of like you know, a mental and social turmoil. Like you're mm -hmm. so lost, you don't really see, you know, the other side. You know, most of my problems, I seem was like, oh, maybe if I didn't grow up poor, or I looked at kids that did have more than me at all, you know, maybe it's because I'm a color of my skin. Mm -hmm. I hate being black, I wish I was white, you know, mm -hmm. maybe it'd be easier for me. Like you start to really just find things to hate and blame. And um, that holds you back so fucking much. Excuse me. No, you okay. can you, you can say the f bomb here. <laughs> Typically, we say it before the bears. Okay, and then don't count. But okay, you can good, say it. Good, we, good. we can bleep it out if you want. I'm probably too lazy in the edit. So <laughs> good. Bored is bored. Okay? okay, good. So it really holds you back, and that was the problem that I had though is I had blame game, right? Yeah. And I wanted to, oh, blame my dad because he wasn't around. But he actually didn't even know. We were too scared to sh share that with him, you know? And it was it was tough. But the thing that I think that could happen most and what's most valuable is the mentors that you can find when those people are going through this. So there's a very, very special, special lady to me Becky Hoffman and Jordan Hoffman, her son was my best friend. Like they kind of knew something was going on at home. So they took me in. Like at first it started off, oh, there's a new friend coming over and I would sleep over for like a day. And then it became like a week. And then it became like, all right, he's not leaving. <laughs> he's here, he's here. It, 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 more peanut butter and jelly in the cupboard. So okay, yeah. needs to go in anyway. It's here. And yeah. then I started having to get chores and stuff and I started picking up, but she never asked me to leave. Mm -hmm. She would take care of me. She would show me how their family works. She would talk to me about different perspectives on life that I never knew were a thing with my background. And I lived there for almost half of my high school life. 
Wow. Um, and the part that she taught me was just to really understand that, sh- that adversity is a lot of strength as well. And it was important to me because when my mom tried to commit suicide, I actually wrote a poem when I was 12 years old. And I tattooed the title, Strength and Adversity on My Arm. It's the only tattoo I have. It was that every time you face a challenge, you got to think about how can you turn this into a vehicle, right? So she ended up getting cancer and passing away, which is really, really oh, sad. But she used that. that as a vehicle, too, to motivate us to leave something, you know, to, to, for her to be proud of. So I think that that was one of the things is I like, give these kids mentors. That's why I like programs like Big Brothers, Big Sisters, right? Yeah. These kids don't see the other side. They just see the situation. And then when they're roaming through the streets and you're going into these less unfortunate neighborhoods, you got people in the streets telling you, oh, you don't go to college. That's, you're never going to go to college. You see how it is out there. You need to make money now, right? And then you get tempted. Oh, I can make $1,000 a week selling dope. Or can I go to McDonald's, work 40 hours and make 150 bucks? And I still can't pay, afford, afford mm-hmm. to pay for my kids to eat. So yeah. what's more appealing to you? Kids starving or making money now? Right. You like, see the You that make path. a choice. Yeah, and then yeah, you wonder, yeah. oh, why are these people in drugs, selling drugs, doing problems, da, da, da. Okay, let me put you back against the wall with no opportunity. I mean, they literally cancel bus routes in the hood to stop at certain times, like 6 p.m. Yeah, now that single mother can't work shifts, anything past that time. So now guess what? You just cut all access to capital for an entire community. And that's what the institutional issues are. And that's the things that people don't know about. You know, I'll be honest, being a white guy from, you know, the suburban Wisconsin, basically, you know, a lot of a lot of the narrative around that is like, you know, well, I grew up I'm white. I grew up poor, but I found a way. Um, or something like that. And, but it's like, yes, you, you may have grown up without money, but you did grow up in a different system. You know, yeah. you, you, like maybe you didn't have access to certain things, but bus lines were not necessarily cut off or whatever. Yeah. And so what are some of those other things that people may not know about uh, yeah, systemic where issues. you grew up? Yeah, where we grew up. I think there's a lot of different things, too. It's like when you look at school systems, right, yeah. and a lot of that's based off of like property taxes and sure. things like that. If you, if we need to restructure some of those things because when you do that, these schools now have a, not have enough resources, right? You got one school with a million dollar locker room and the other one with holes in the wall and, and books from last year or two years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's like, for me, it's really interesting to see the way that they structured the resources that fund education that leave them uneducated and misfortune and confused. So they sit back and they're blaming the system that truly was not designed for them to succeed because in their perspective, well, look at my schools, look at my community, look at everything. We're just completely getting shit on. Mm-hmm. But the people over here just have everything that they need. Now they don't realize that the system is broken because they have bigger homes, they have nicer properties, they have the million dollar locker room. It's all funded by the, all of the resources that drive that community. This right. community has no resources, therefore it's on handicap. So therefore you gotta fix those systems to make it so that resources are allocated more balancedly. I think the problem with, with you know, sort of the white side, if, if I'm gonna talk, I, that, that's kind of what I know, but it yeah. seems like there's not so much of an interest in figuring out why you're wrong. There's more of an interest in figuring out how you could be right, you know, mm-hmm. and, and how to sort of maintain that status quo. And I don't think it's a uh, malicious thing necessarily, but I think that, it, you know, just, just just try and disprove your point a little bit and yeah. you can lead yourself down like a, a very revealing path. You no, know, I think that that's important because like, but it's on both sides, right? Mm-hmm. Where like, I love everything going on and this is why I created this How To Be Heard campaign is everyone's just marching, right? Marching, 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 marching. But after the march, what happens, right? Because the problem isn't necessarily blaming anybody. No one's right or wrong. There's a systematic issue, regardless of who it targets. It primarily targets poverty, not color. Mm -hmm. And that poverty level is an issue. 
So we're not attacking, we're not solving a solution for black people. We're solving a solution for people that have less than others, right? Mm -hmm. And the problem here is the system does not define a clear path for people to move from one economic class to the other in the same way that people move from upper class to higher classes, right? right. It's harder to go from the bottom to here because even the way cap <coughs> capital is taxed or sourced or whatever, we got to figure that bottom piece out, right? Mm -hmm. But the people on the other side, around the bottom, don't just march. While you're marching, you're forgetting that the primaries and the people that you need to vote for, do you know what your alderman does? Do you know what your county executive does, your county board? Do you know what your, your uh, district attorney's responsibilities are, your chief of police? Like, Do you know how those resources are allocated? Every budget in the city is public knowledge. But people aren't taking the time to educate themselves on the decisions that impact them the most. They look at the president. They have nothing to do with the fact that your schools are broke. Mm -hmm. That is a local issue. Mm -hmm. And people don't get their head out of their... Head out of their areas. Uh, dairy <laughs> air, folks, okay? Yeah. You need to think more clearly about all right, yes, you have a voice. Yes, you can post on social media and be a keyboard warrior. But please educate yourself on where your money and taxes go and who the community leaders are that you need to vote for. And if they're not leading towards whatever you feel is right, which there's no right or wrong, then make, do something about it. Go vote. You know, when Graham contacted me about this How to Be Heard campaign, that's what really attracted me was like, okay, you're doing something on the day. And for the listeners who don't know, tomorrow is the first day of the How to Be Heard uh, campaign where we're going out cleaning uh, the Milwaukee Park. So it's a very tangible thing you can do. Like, what did I do so, for yeah. anything? I did something. That gets the momentum going. In the meantime, it's getting a bunch of people signed up for uh, to mentor in the Big Brothers, Big Sisters program. And then, uh, you know, this initiative is so unique because I the emphasis on how to be heard that's why it's titled mm -hmm. the way it's titled I'm assuming but just giving people those resources mm -hmm. when that they, when they're out there I think that's a really really yes. cool campaign so what would be your dream to get out of the how to be my heard goal campaign? from this long story short uh -huh. is gonna be all right we get everybody in the parks let's get those reservations and all these people out there cleaning but realistically let's just be frank here that is a way for me to get your attention yeah. right then after that, I want to say, hey, guys, I want to give you resources. We're going to put all our resources behind it. We're going to raise capital for this to literally be able to create handouts. Hey, these are all of your city officials that you need to contact if this happens. You know what this guy does. We're about to literally put all that to paper and start releasing that in marketing content. And then from there, we're going to start helping people to, hey, you know where to access the budgets for the city? Do you have any idea? They all have website links. We're going to put that all in a document. Go look at the budget for your city. Where does it go? Do you not like what you see? Well, guess what? There's meetings every month that you can go to. Guess what? I go to these meetings and there's like 25 people there. If you all knew when they were and how they were handled and what they were talking about, I'm pretty sure if you were taking like, they're taking all your taxes, wouldn't you want to go just say, hey, I kind of want to have an opinion. And you know that they have to listen. It's all televised. Like all of this stuff is documented, but no one shows up because no one knows when it is or anything. So my whole goal is to just get people more clear about how this whole thing works because I think a lot of people base, they think there's this conspiracy theory, mystification, that just shows you have lack of education. Mm -hmm. Because if you were really educated and you really showed up, I know it takes time out of your schedule, but if you really, really cared as much as you're saying you are, mm -hmm. go to the meetings. Right, like, right. It, well, like, it, it's it's basically a proactive as opposed to a reactionary yeah, approach to it. Yeah, just go do something for real. That's my yeah. goal. Like, is to really get people by the end of this to be like, man, like, I was wrong. People need help. 
It's not because they were lazy. And, oh, it's not because rich people don't care about poor people. It's neither one of them. Yeah. It's, that's the media manipulating you. Republican this, Democrat that. Right. Let's get away from all that. Let's yeah. be human. We have a human problem. Yeah. Let's talk about and figure out how do we help each other and take that seriously without emotion or any of that. Uh, that's true. We are in such a hyper-politicized deal. And, and everybody's walking on eggshells. How do, do I say the right thing? Did I say it right? Did I do it? And then people on social media so are triggered. Like, are, are well, they, you know, and it doesn't have to be such a combative thing. We're no. all trying. But what I like is you're giving a playbook uh, for how to do it efficiently. You yeah. Know? And, and I think that's really, really cool. That's my goal. I mean, I think that for me, too, is like I'm not in the same social class that I was when I grew up. Mm -hmm. I've, I've grown, right? But at the same time, you know, even some of the decisions I'm making, it has nothing to do with me at all. It's, is there a problem? How do we solve it? And it's been so great to see some of the great partners, Marcus, uh, Milwaukee Pride, um, and you got more and more big brothers, big sisters, uh, Yelp, Ease, you know, Uncle Bucks, our brands. Like, it's so crazy seeing so many people, you, like immediately when we were like, all right, like, this is what I usually got. It was like, hey, do you want to be part of this campaign? If it's another March, no. Yeah, right. <laughs> but right, <laughs> if, right. What, else, what is it going to be? Yeah. We're like, really want to just make a real impact. And it's cool to see that people get the fact that we don't want to just walk. Yeah. We want to actually do something. Yeah. And, and I do think that uh, it's, uh, I, I don't know, I, I really, the, the word that comes back to mind is momentum. You do something on the day and then you get a playbook to, to do it further. I think I think that's huge. You know, maybe there's an app down the road for that or something, <laughs> you know. But, uh, you know, I guess what will kind of transition into this now because what you what you do when when you're not here organizing this thing is um, ease right yep. and and what uh, why don't you explain ease I already explained it well, why don't no, you give I mean, a real I can explanation kind of give a really breakdown right I started off as a freelancer myself you uh -huh. know I was a marketer I started marketing for brands around the city turned into a company and I realized that that opportunity is really more prevalent for everybody like if you have access to a computer and the internet you can learn really quickly how to continue the upskill and then from there you can take those skills to market and instead of working for someone for $80,000 a year while they sell your services for a quarter million you could meet them in the middle and just make 150 grand a year now it's cheaper for the customer and cheap and more money for you and you just have to maybe do some extra accounting you know used to right so yeah. we become that conduit where we have all these amazingly talented top-level professionals from marketing, data scientists, and we work with a lot of large enterprises, and we work with small businesses, access to the smartest and brightest people that are all working virtually in a remote for themselves. All they gotta do is log in and get to work, and at the end of the year, they get all their taxes handled, the dashboard, project management. We give them all the things they need to be successful and do the same for the company. Your job is, do you have a need for talent? Okay, you have the skills to fulfill the job. And then every single one of those individuals takes a disc-based culture assessment, which, uh, in long story short, it's, it allows us to utilize predictive AI to determine if they'll be a good culture fit for the company versus just placing them based on hard skills. Turnover is directly related to lack of culture fit. And we believe that if we can match both culture and skills, we can help businesses grow. And also in sort of this, uh, you know, COVID times or whatever, where a lot of people are losing their jobs, yet they are very skilled, it seems like it would be a good time for you to be yeah. around and, and, and to kind of... It's booming right now. Yeah, I, I, Literally, so many ask, people yeah. are going to lose their jobs, right? We had mm -hmm. a 400% increase in talent applications this, this past month because literally all these people, like people from the NBA, you, you name it, great graphic designers, engineers, like all these companies that are cutting people, those people aren't less skilled because of there's layoffs. It's just right. the market's bad right yeah, now. It's the, the, so they have a talent need. You know what you can do? Instead of going the same route that you did or right now, instead of like 
charter shelling, double down on the best people, double down on your business investments, scale while everyone else is sleeping, and then by the time they wake up, you'll be far ahead of them. And then you won't need that thing that you left behind to begin with. Go, that they rock and roll, and it'll be cheaper working with freelancers versus full time, and they get freedom. And that, that is a huge thing because, I mean, I work for a company, and then I work for myself, and you're so much more productive when your ass is on the line, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like You find a way to get stuff yes. done. Now, you got a lot of funding for this, and, mm -hmm. and you were, you know, as an entrepreneur in Milwaukee, was it, was it easy uh, being an entrepreneur here? Absolutely is there an entrepreneurial not. spirit? Absolutely <laughs> not, you said it? Not easy. There's yeah. a great entrepreneurial spirit here. When I was in the bar business, uh, it was amazing. And then, you know, I still am. Uh -huh. And then I went into tech. Uh, I'm the first African-American in my generation to, one, have, be a black business owner right here outside the Bucks Arena. There's, you go any direction, there's no one of my color. Oh, but there's others. And then you go into tech. I'm the only African-American technology startup founded and built in Milwaukee that's gotten venture capital. That's sad, wow. right? Yeah. So for me, it was no one looking in my direction. The way capital works in a lot of these venture worlds, as people don't realize, is, is it's all about relationships. So if you want to know somebody from the, such and such as family for generations that have been around this city, you're not going to get access to capital. You really got to kiss the ring to get there. And I never was that type of person because I don't know anybody with money. So I just, I'm just going to build it myself. So I built it myself, got a lot of good traction, and then I ended up moving to Arizona and working a lot in Silicon Valley. So the business is growing, business is growing, and I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, and I find out that Generator's out there looking for startups. Meet up with Troy Vossler, founder of Generator. He says, hey, I was just looking for startups. I'd love to learn more about your business. Ends up looking at our business. He says, the deadline for applications is tomorrow, but if you get in, uh, you got to pitch five rounds, and then you got to fly to Madison, and if you get in, we'll invest $140,000 in your company. And then we'll follow on with, um, we usually can help you get about 1.1 million in follow-on capital. I'm like, but the deadline's tomorrow? <laughs> They're like, yes. It's 7 p.m. We're, we're out drinking, man. I'm like, God dang it. You really are putting it on me. So I ended up going home, get the application in by 9 p.m. that night. I did it like an hour and a half. But I wow. never had ever made a technology pitch for venture capital. So I called my buddy Kobe Sconner. He said his company, Ideal Week. Funny story, me and him is we met here at the bar. Find out he lives, he's my neighbor. And we're both building like crowd innovation focused products. And then he's my neighbor. And our logos are even the same color. Oh, so that's like, crazy. I, and he literally like looked at my PowerPoint, rips it apart, says way too much text. You got to redo that whole thing. Oh, so I do the, redo the whole thing, send it in. I ended up getting in. Out of 1,100 startups that pitched, I was one of five that got selected and the wow. only one from Milwaukee. Wow. And then uh, three weeks in, Chris Abley, who I've been really good with, friends with, I was actually in the commercial to keep the bucks in Milwaukee, uh, Chris Abley's video. And it did great. It won an award and everything. So he brings me his office to talk. We became friends for like three years. And I find out he owns the accelerator I just got into. And he's like, Nate, not, I've always wanted to support you. Uh, meet me in my office. So meet him in his office. I'm like, oh, I just want to raise like $180,000. He goes, oh, it's not enough. I'm like, he goes, you've never done this before. I get it. So he like doesn't even look at my PowerPoint financial done. He's like, no. We're gonna do it this way. He sits me for three hours, helps me redo everything, coming through all these ideas, telling me different strategies so I can grow the business. And then the next day, he sends me over the paperwork and says, hey, you can set your own terms, um, but I'm gonna invest a half a million, okay? I'm like, wow, and you should, your, value, your company valuation is X. I was like, okay. <laughs> He's crashing his head. Literally, I signed the paperwork and he wires over half a million dollars. I never had that much money in my bank all my life, right? So for me, I'm like, okay, well, the gas is on. So, <laughs> so no, no candles right now. Yeah. So I literally, that was two years ago. And 
I don't know how to explain it. It's been a snowball. I've literally been in the largest pitch competition in the world at Web Summit was in Portugal. Next week, we're in the second largest pitch competition in the world at Collision Virtual Conference next week, 30,000 people. We've graduated from Plug and Play Tech Center, the world's largest technology innovation hub in Silicon Valley. Pretty things like Dropbox, PayPal, all those things came from there. Um, now, we've also been across a variety of different product lines. Like we work with Steelcase, uh, One Workplace, we work with YWCA USA. Like it literally went from this little idea to like snowball. Because I was in 2013 talking about the freelance and virtual movement and remote working. And literally coronavirus just threw me an alley-oop. And sorry, that, I didn't mean it that you know, way. No, 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 no. It, it, it sent you on. We got what you said, you know? It, I mean, it happened, you made the best yeah, of it. Yeah, it was like, know? everybody's remote now. And everyone goes, all right, I don't know how to manage remote teams. I'm like, hey! <laughs> I do. I got that. I've been working on that. Actually. Did somebody say remote teams? <laughs> so, yeah, like it, it was hard to raise capital. It's hard to do it all. You got to run extra hard on it yeah. and really have a vision, an idea where my investors saw what I seen. Yeah. And it hit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's that is the dream right there. Yeah. I guess, you know, for a bunch of other entrepreneurs in Milwaukee, um, what like what advice do you have to tell them? Because but you are living the you're living their dream right now. I mean everything you just described. Do you think that that entrepreneurial spirit since you were here, since you started that process, has it's grown? It's right? grown. It depends on what you're doing, right? Okay. So I'm gonna be frank. If you're a technology yeah. company and you really want to scale, you can do decently in Wisconsin. You get a good base. It teaches you how to build. But always think about looking at a national perspective. Don't be the martyr for your city, sure. right? If you see a market that fits what you're doing fast do it and then reinvest back here keep your headquarters here Wisconsin still wins yeah. but reach out um, that's what I do and really expand because there's going to be some capital here but you're going to look at valuations on the west coast are going to be considerably higher yep. you'll keep more control over your company that way here in Wisconsin investors are a little bit more risk averse so you're going to get a lower valuation and a harder access to capital therefore your company's value is less well you can get a higher valuation but you remember if valuation is higher you have to hit that standard right. you have to actually sell right. stuff <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. that eventually has yeah, to mean something you have yeah. to make money yeah. but that's one thing to look at but the spirit is higher here if you can survive here you can grow anywhere if you're in real estate if you're looking in the bar business right now is the best time ever to do it i know it's like oh the bars are closed coronavirus but also means a lot of people are out of business yeah. so we need some fresh blood on these streets so please if you're going to open up some some entertainment open up a bar if you're going to do real estate look between now and april of next year and get it done and right then you'll be buying low and then you're going to make money on the upswing mm -hmm. be ready to do stuff now if you don't have the money you can find it right call yeah. me uh, <laughs> uh what are your digits and i hope it don't start with five 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 okay but like there's people that want to invest here a yeah. lot of people look at what's happening don't let this coronavirus scare you. Yeah. The time is now and now, now to get things done. Well, yeah, and in every, you know, tragedy, there's opportunity. There's and everything great like opportunity that. right and, now. And that, that's sort of the, that's got to be the mantra of an, uh, as a, of an entrepreneur. I can't even talk. That's got to be the mantra of an opportunity. I, you know what? For, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Okay? The mantra <laughs> of, of an, an entrepreneur. entrepreneur. There we go. We got it. But you see a uh, just a void, a fall. Times are tough, but that's that's when entrepreneur thrives, right? Yeah, you got to think differently in those times, man. Like I'm literally buying two businesses right now because right now they hit, hit hard with the coronavirus. It's two companies I've wanted to for a long time, and I just asked, like, hey, how you guys doing right now? 
blah, blah, blah. You know what? Da, da, da. I'm, you know, I got family. I think I really want more stability. Are you thinking about selling? <laughs> like, and then I consider it. Get the number, and then you can do some other creative things after that. This is the time to, make, to ask everyone. And if you are looking at investors, don't think that they're just holding their wallets. Oh, I'm not going to invest right now. Actually, they're opening those wallets more yeah. than ever because they know things are cheaper, just yeah. like the stock market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the time. Well, and it, that's just a different mentality, you know, because yeah. we're, uh, I feel like the entrepreneurs are always zagging when others are zigging. So if you think the general population's, you know, feeling troubled waters, that's the time to to Because everything's worth less when people are scared. Yeah, it, totally. Now, do you think, uh, obviously, you're doing this initiative here in Milwaukee. Do you have a vision of, uh, you know, John really did no studios, you know, big, big Hollywood guy. Bring it back to uh, Milwaukee, an industry that was not here at all, like the film industry, you know, do you anticipate doing something? Yeah. Uh, so what I'm doing right now is I'm building a lot out west, and my goal has always been for years to bring Silicon Valley into Milwaukee and Milwaukee to Silicon Valley. So I'm launching a big conference in San Francisco next year. I'm going to be bringing a lot of corporate partners from here and there. And then from there, I'm going to host those same events here. I want to have a really large technology conference that doesn't just bring more Milwaukee people out. I want people flying to this city to see things that are not just typical, right? Mm -hmm. Why don't we have an innovation and creative conference combined that really draws attention to this city? So everything I do comes back to Milwaukee, regardless of how far I venture out. Mm -hmm. I just need to see more so I can do more here versus staying in my own backyard and have an idealistic perspective of the world and not really knowing really what it's like. You got to get out there and find it. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have, uh, this is my favorite question, is there any question you wish I would have asked you that I just didn't ask you. Man, you really got in some good questions. Um, thank you. Think that, Th thank you. I appreciate that. I don't think that. there's much that I would say that you, you didn't ask me. Um, I would say just the only other thing is, uh, you know, if you're looking to just expand your education, if you're really looking to really learn more and, and do more, um, I think it's really smart to start investing in some online classes. You know, I think that people should really focus on continued education because if, if you don't think about that right now, you're, you're going to lose in about five years if you didn't lose with the coronavirus. You realize right now more than ever, people lost their jobs because they weren't prepared. They got comfortable. You got to think right now like, okay, hard to truth. My job could be dispensable or is it not? And when will it be disposable? Mm -hmm. It's always eventually going to be disposable. Mm -hmm. So please invest in continuing education. It does not come in the form of college degree all the time. It could be PDFs. It could be workshops. It could be anything. But I just want to leave that there. Just please continue to invest in continuing education. I, don't, I can't stress it more. I love it. I love it, man. Thanks so much. Thank this you. This was a lot of fun, dude. Appreciate you. All right, there it is, my conversation with Nate Harris. Uh, by the way, we are doing another How to Be Heard event in August, so uh, keep following me on social media for that. Make sure you follow Nate on Instagram. That's at Nathan D. Harris. And also follow Ease on Instagram at It's Ease, at I-T-S-E-A-S-E. -E. And I hope if you like this podcast, you give it a rating and a comment. And if you don't like this podcast. Don't worry about the rating. Okay. It, no worries. Uh, all right. We'll see you guys next time. And until then, please watch out for deer and tell your folks I says hi. Okay. Real good. Bye-bye. So roll out the barrel and get the band brewing. Life's got you down. Just keep her moving. It's on Wisconsin. The Badgers say it's the old Wisconsin Jubilee. You know, sometimes when you're ice fishing, you put your foot in the walleye hole and go ass over tea kettle and you think you're done. No, you got to keep her moving.